there were two more murders 15 miles away. When police the arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cop of murder. The city of Phoenix was a dangerous place to live in the years 2005 through 2006. It was a time where two serial killers were actively taking the lives of strangers with speed and without discrimination. On June 19, 2013, one of those men, a man who killed at least six and shot countless others, died while behind prison walls. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. For 16 months in the mid-2000s, locals in Phoenix were on high alert, staying inside when they could, with police paroling the streets, tips flooding hotlines, and everyone held out hope that sometime soon would see the end of not just one shooter, but two. And to add to the fear coursing through Phoenix, this was also the active period of the baseline killer, who would snatch women off the street in broad daylight, and if they didn't go along with his sexual demands, he would simply shoot them in the head and dump them around the same place where they went missing. In total, during that 16-month period, at least 17 people were killed and dozens more were injured. It was a summer of complete chaos and fear. The serial shooter, as police would begin to call the culprit, started out his crimes small, with residents waking to find their dogs, horses, or other farm animals shot to death in West Valley around mid-2005. Then the shooting switched from animal to human that May, when the targets became immigrants riding on their bicycles to work, transients sleeping on benches, or panhandlers looking for some extra money on the overpass. And finally, to any and all pedestrians walking on the streets of Phoenix, all killed by a 22 caliber bullet. Unfortunately, because these men were all active at the same time and crossing multiple jurisdictions, police had a difficult time discerning who was killing who. For a little over a year, police combed through the shooter's victims, and it wasn't until July 11th of 2006 that they made a shocking revelation. That the serial shooter was not one man, but two, meaning that, including the baseline killer, there were three active serial killers roaming that area. In total, police believe the serial shooters were responsible for at least eight murders and 29 other injuries around the area. But some reports put that number as high as 38, all committed straight from their car window. Those killed were 20-year-old David Estrada, who was shot to death on June 29, 2005, and 44-year-old Nathaniel Schaffner, who was killed on November 11, 2005, while trying to protect his dog from one of the serial shooters. There was 44-year-old Jose Ortiz, who was killed on December 12, 2005, Marco Carrillo, 28, killed just a few weeks later on December 29th, and Claudia Gutierrez Cruz, just 20, who was killed on May 2, 2006. And while many were dead at the hands of these monsters, there were many, many more who were seriously injured, like 45-year-old Army veteran Paul Patrick, who, on June 8, 2006, went out to get himself a pack of cigarettes when he felt something slam into him on Indian School Road in West Phoenix. When he looked down, he was shocked to see not just blood pouring from his stomach, but some of his internal organs. He tried to scoop them up as his legs gave way and he tumbled to the ground. He yelled for help and soon saw a man standing over him. 
Assuming it was the killer coming to finish the job, he pleaded with the unknown man to make it fast. Thankfully, the man who came to his aid was Saul Guerrero, an Army National Guard combat veteran who worked as an MP and lived nearby. Hearing the shot, he ran out to see what was happening and saw Paul fall to the ground. Paul was able to survive his injuries due in large part to Saul. July 30th, 2006 marked the serial shooter's last crime when 22-year-old Robin Blasnick was shot and killed at around 11.15 p.m. while walking from her parents' house to a friend's home after having a fight with her boyfriend. The very next day, a tip came in from a man named Ron Horton, who said that a friend of his had just confessed to the shootings while the pair were out drinking. According to this friend, they called their shootings RVing, which stood for Random Recreational Violence. At first, Ron didn't believe his drunken friend, but when Robin was killed shortly after this booze-filled confession, it was too much for him to ignore. The man he claimed was responsible was 31-year-old drifter Samuel Dieterman, and on August 3rd, 2006, the police arrested not just him, but former roommate 33-year-old Dale Hausner. According to police reports, not only did they catch the pair talking about the murders on wiretaps, one that would later play in court, but that both men were linked to two arsons at local Walmarts on June 8th that caused 7 to $10 million in damage. While in custody and as the star witness against Dale, Samuel professed their hatred for sex workers and the homeless and targeted areas where they frequented saying that they would cruise around late at night looking for strangers to shoot. According to Samuel, he and Dale found the visual of a wounded victim to be funny. And on the night that Claudia Gutierrez Cruz was killed, Dale told Samuel it was his turn to take a life. Dale, of course, denied any involvement in the case and offered alibis suggesting that it was Samuel who carried out the majority of the attacks, not him that Samuel had taken Dale's car while living with him and gone on his shooting sprees alone, and that he was giving police bad information to earn himself a lesser sentence. Dale Hausner was charged with 87 crimes attributed to the serial shooter, eight of which were murder and 19 of which were attempted murder. He was found guilty of 80 of the 87 charges. When the penalty phase of his trial began, Dale shocked everyone by requesting the death penalty saying it would help the grieving families of the victims. He declined calling his own witnesses and sat resigned, asking for no leniency. In the end, the jury could not ignore his misrepresentation at the beginning of the case and the brutality of the crimes, and he was given six death sentences. His half-brother, Jeff Hausner, who was present and sometimes helped with the serial shooters, pleaded guilty in 2007 and got seven and a half years in prison. Samuel Dieterman, after becoming the star witness in Dale's trial, pleaded guilty to two counts of murder, plus conspiracy to commit the others, and was sentenced to life without parole. While sitting behind bars, the baseline killer, Mark Goudeau, was caught and moved into a new cell adjacent from Dale Hausner. They were separated pretty soon after. On June 19, 2013, Dale Hausner was found unresponsive in his cell, and died later that same day. Medical examiners determined that he intentionally overdosed on antidepressants. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on June 20th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. 
If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.